With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thank you. 
time it is. It's that official time. Where we take this worldwide. Let's go. So now it's time to turn it up Surf the radio waves as we begin to burn it up We all up in your area like landscape Definitely bringing you the It's a mandate that you tune in It's time to move out so we can move in And recognize that this is no illusion I'm here to clear the air so that there is no confusion It all started off in the book of Genesis When Jacob was wrestling with who he thought was his nemesis And when the man saw he couldn't overpower him He touched his hip but he really couldn't devoured him and from that point then we hear a name change rearrange the game so now we gotta change lanes uh so i'm here to let you know it's time to listen to the pancake and power slam show let's go turn it up turn it up it's the pancake and power slam turn it up turn it up it's the pancake and power slam turn it up turn it up it's the pancake and power slam turn it up turn it up it's the pancake and power slam turn it up turn it up it's the pancake and power slam show And we are live. What's going on, everybody? This is Chris Featherstone. Pancakes and Power Slams, episode 372. Live and living color and funky like a monkey, if you will, baby. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's have some fun. Without further ado, we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, I'm going to have some fun with the PNP Nation. We're going to have a great time. We've got uh, part two of the Ricky Steamboat interview. Uh, we've got the uh, the awesome, <laughs> legitimate version. Um, some glitches last week, as we know. But we're going to show the uh, the interview um, live and live in color this week. Um, well, the the this is live. The interview is um, <clears throat> pre-recorded, of course. The second part of the Ricky the Dragon Steamboat interview. We got Money in the Bank predictions. We got uh, a Super Showdown. How about that, ladies and gentlemen? We got <laughs> some super showdown going on, a huge match going on there. Uh, some other, um, some some somber news, some very controversial news. Full deck, full stacked card on tonight, and of course, the flavor of the week is part two. The PNP Nation is going to vote the best one-time Big Go Belt winner. So we're gonna have some fun, ladies and gentlemen. So, without further ado, let's jump right into, you know what time it is. <clears throat> let's jump right into this uh, Ricky Jagger Steamboat interview. Let's have some fun with it, and uh, let's have a great time. How how y'all doing, PNP Nation, before uh, before I go into this uh, interview here? How y'all feeling? How is the PNP Nation feeling today? Um, <clears throat> how's everything going? How's everything doing? How are you feeling, PNP Nation? Let me know how you are feeling on today. Let me see if uh, there's any Ask Chris questions. Uh, what's going on, Cody? What's going on, PNP Nation? How's everybody feeling today? What are your thoughts before I go into the uh, <laughs> into the interview? Uh, the part two, the actual uh, 
good version of it because last week, of course, like I said, there was some glitches. But this week is going to be fun and we're going to have a great time. <clears throat> Again, PNP Nation, let me know how you're doing today. Let me know how, how you're doing on tonight. We're going to have a lot of fun. Um, let's see what we got any comments here. Cody didn't watch this week. <laughs> it didn't feel like you lost any brain cells because you didn't watch. Well, Cody, let me tell you something, man. I appreciate you hopping on the show, being a part of the PNP Nation, despite not watching Raw or SmackDown. Uh, but the funny thing about that is that uh, it, it seems it seems as if that's really the uh, <laughs> the, the better judgment uh, <laughs> for a lot of people uh, because. You know, some people just don't watch Raw and SmackDown. Unfortunately, um, that's not good for WWE. <laughs> that's uh, that people uh, rather hop on my uh, podcast uh, than than to watch uh, their show. So, WWE, if you're watching, and I do have people who actually watch this show, who actually works in WWE, who uh, I'm actually friends with, who are WWE guys. So. That's you. <laughs> if you're watching, if you're watching WWE, um, just know that people are uh, deciding to be on this show or, or be a part of this show and have some fun with me uh, rather than actually watch the show. So, uh, WWE, I don't know uh, if you guys want to really hear that, but. What it is is what it is. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's see, PMP Nation. Let's uh, one last um, hurrah from you all. See how y'all feeling. Uh, let's see if we got any comments here before I get to. John says, "New writers, please." <laughs> um, Cody says. Uh, Better content. What's going on, Allie? Great to have you on the show tonight. Uh, <laughs> new writers, John says. New writers. John, how do you feel about uh, them uh, taking away um, uh, Road Dog? Uh, well, Road Dog kind of not being happy with his uh, with his um, with his role and and uh, not leaving WWE as far as I know, but. But uh, stepping away from the SmackDown writer role. So share your thoughts on that, uh, everyone. Let me know how you are, how you feel about that. <clears throat> All right. Let's see. I think we are almost set, ready for go. Let's uh, any more, any more uh, comments real quick before the, um, <clears throat> before we get Get that together as far as uh, this uh, Rick and the Dragon Steamboat interview. Um, let's see what else we got as far as the comments are concerned. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> see what else we got as far as the the comments are concerned. Uh, let's see. We got. Let me pull the police comments back up. He's pulling these comments back up. Um, let's see. 
Trying to figure out where these comments are. There they are. All right, let's see what else we got. <coughs> um, <laughs> so Cody's asking, uh, hey, what's up, Ken? Uh, get to have you on the show. What's up, Kimbo? Uh, Allie will be there the money, uh, money after the raw next Monday after Money in Bank. Let us know some live stuff, Allie. What's going on, Mo? Good to have you. Um, okay, so Cody's asking if I watched the Bret Hart versus Tom McGee match. <laughs> okay, so this is what I'll do. Uh, during the Steamboat interview, you guys, uh, what's going on, Tammy? Good to have you on the show. Uh, good to have you join us tonight. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> so I'm gonna watch the I'm gonna watch the um, the match between Bret Hart and Tom McGee. That's like the the biggest one of the biggest things. <laughs> one of the hottest stories right now is the Bret Hart versus Tom McGee match. So we're gonna talk about that on the other side. <laughs> when um, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about that when um, at, at the end of the. Uh, uh, at the end of the interview, so stay stay tuned for that, <laughs> because ladies and gentlemen, um, that's fun. That's fun. We're gonna have some fun with the uh, with the Bret Hart versus Tom McGee match. I'm gonna watch it. W what are your thoughts on it, real quick? Very quick thoughts on it, as far as um. What's your thoughts on is uh, the, the Bret Hart versus Tom McGee match? So let me know what you feel about that. <clears throat> let me know what you feel about that. The Bret Hart versus and we'll talk about at the. It was a good match, says Mo. It was good. Uh, Cody McGee was impressive for being very green. Uh, all right, sounds good. What's going on, GHP? Um, Cody says it shows how good Brett was at making everyone look like a star. He should stay in wrestling. John didn't think McGee was that bad. Okay. So, okay. So, so school me on. Uh, okay. So I've, I, I, I've, I've written about, I, I, I've written about Tom McGee before. Uh, I've, 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 I'm, I'm familiar with Tom, Tom McGee. Um, <clears throat> he was, he was kind of like somebody who wanted to, who, who WWE kind of thought had something, but um, never really came into fruition. He had to look, because uh, I think, matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, I wrote about McGee, I think I wrote about McGee kind of, I think he got like assaulted <clears throat> for like staying, for like helping out somebody. Or, or something like that. I think. I think. It, I think that's what it was. Um, let me find out. I think it was last year or two years ago. <clears throat> yeah, 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 yeah. May eighteenth. <clears throat> I actually wrote a Wrestling Inc. article about it. Tom McGee <clears throat> severely beating over parking disputes. Yeah, I wrote it for Wrestling Inc. on May eighteenth, two thousand eighteen. So almost almost a year ago to the day. Um. He was beaten by as many as six men over a parking dispute in front of his Marvista home in Los Angeles, California. He came and encountered the young man in a, 
<clears throat> and proceeded to a fight, says Tom's friend, Kendall Knoxville. It was sort of a conflict over who was allowed to park in this spot. A neighbor who wanted to remain anonymous also gave an account of the beating. They were literally kicking him, punching him in the face and in the head. So he suffered a broken jaw, a broken eye socket, and concussion. Uh, wow. Yeah. <clears throat> so he spent uh, many years competing in strongman, placing first on num- numerous occasions throughout the 80s. He spent four years in WWE from 86 to 90. He was mostly used as a babyface. Until the latter part of his career, he was used as a heel and managed by Jimmy Hart. Yeah, so I wrote that for Wrestling Inc. In, on last May. That was that was that incident. So there's my <clears throat> there's my Tom McGee reference, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Go check that out. Go check that article out on Wrestling Inc. from last year. Um, <clears throat> all right, so let's jump into the. I watch. I watch the. Uh, <laughs> I watch the match. Uh, doing this uh, Ricky Steamboat interview. All right, so without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's uh, jump right into this uh, Ricky this Dragon Steamboat interview, <clears throat> the part two. I think you, I think you guys are really, really enjoy part two of the interview. Of course, uh, live, the live chat will be rolling and it'll be lit as always. Um, <clears throat> so we're gonna go right into part two of the Ricky the Dragon Steamboat interview he talks about uh, last week he was talking about uh, baby faces and heels that was the the latter part of it and of course if those uh who did, for those who didn't want to listen to the full interview it's on the crave wrestling youtube page and is also uh on wrestling inc uh audio um <clears throat> so uh check that out on the wrestling inc audio also on wrestling inc facebook so several outlets to check out part one of the ricky the dragon steamboat interview I'm about to give you part two right here. And without further ado, let's jump right into it. I said, what about the new fam? Exactly. What about, what about the guy that says, uh, hey, come with me tonight. We're going to go to a wrestling show. And the guy said, nah, I've never been to a show. I said, well, come on. Just hang in with me. Let's go watch the match. All those people that have been the first time wrestling, who don't really know you, you have to establish to them good guy, bad guy. Exactly. So they're not sitting there watching a match wondering who, well, who's good guy, who's bad guy? Yeah. Who am I cheering? Who am I booing? Like, what am I doing here as a fan? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. I think that's a fantastic point. I I, I try to teach that when I do seminars about in the first couple minutes of, of the match, set the tune for your match. Mm-hmm. Sets the tone if you're the bad guy, and sets the tone if you're the good guy, and that gives the fans a reason to react. Exactly. Whether they're booing you or whether they're harassing you. But if you don't establish that and they don't know who you are, you're going to have a very quiet match. And then eventually you'll get to where boring, boring, mm-hmm. and, you know. But I said, I think that's okay, a tried. And, I think that's a tried and true method too. Because even to this day, we're seeing that. Like for instance, we just saw that at WrestleMania, and the weeks before that, with Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston. I mean, Kofi Kingston reminds yeah. me a lot of you as far as that pure babyface, even from a, from baby. an athlete, from a, from an athletic standpoint too. And Daniel Bryan was the heel. He was the villain. He was you know pro Earth. He was you know. Going to, uh, <laughs> he was going to concession stands, talking about how everybody's eating this meat. You know, like so he was just doing things 
that would really get under the fans' skin. And he was doing such yeah, an amazing was, job. Yep. He uh, he was even getting a good heel reaction at the Hall of Fame night. Yes, exactly. Just showing yeah. his pic just showing his face. You know, he was getting yeah. he was getting booed. Yeah. And and same thing with Kofi. He was getting even showing his face was he was getting, you know, cheered. He was getting a bunch of pops. And so yeah, you're so you're so right about that. It's it's true even to this day of how important that is because Daniel Bryan it, to me, if it wasn't for Daniel Bryan being such a good heel during this time, you know, Kofi had that organic feel because of his athleticism, because of what he what he was doing. But it but the, it still took that element of Daniel Bryan being a good heel. Like, for instance, if Kofi was going against like another baby face or someone who was a baby face who was still getting he, uh, a heel, he was still getting baby face reactions. I don't think that the ovation of him winning on this in the support of the weekly support wouldn't be as strong as, as it was when we saw a, you know, feuding with Daniel Bryan because he was such a good heel. So I agree with it you. Wouldn't have been half, it wouldn't have been half as much. I agree. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So let's do some rapid fire questions. Uh, just do, uh, you know, a sentence or two. So I can, so let me respect your time here. All right. So I got okay. a few questions for you and, uh, give me a sentence or two. Uh, the first question is if you were an active member of the roster today, about to retire, who would you want your final match to be with, and would you put them over? Would you want to put them over? Um, I'd like to. I'd like to work with Seth Rollins. Oh, okay. And I, I'd put him over right now. All right. You know, let me tell you something real quick, Chris. I was mm-hmm. I was never ever worried about who was getting their hand raised. Mm-hmm. I was. Uh, to me, priority was to get the match over because when the fa- I feel when the fans go home and they're talking about the show and they bring up a match, they're talking about the match. They're not, they're not they don't finish it by saying, "Well, Ricky lost." <laughs> you know, I, I've worked with Flair five hundred times. I could probably count on my one hand and maybe a couple fingers on the other, how many times I went over. Mm-hmm. And it was always, to us, it was always about getting the match over. Because you get the match over, that brings them back. Yeah, especially in a feud. Um, I, I, my, mm-hmm. I, as a fan, I, would lo- I always love to see the baby face get the last laugh. But sometimes that takes the, the heel beating them a time or two, you know what I mean? Especially, especially if the, if the angle is supposed to be a five, six month angle, you know, the heel, yeah. you know, as a fan, I'm, I'm like, man, he beat him. He beat my favorite wrestler. He beat Ricky Steve. I can't believe this is happening. And that, that puts even more heat on the heel because at the end of the day, you know, yeah. if the, when the baby face wins and makes it look much better and it just really elevates it. I, I agree with that. Um, and just real, real quick, uh, one quick question in between these uh, Q and A's here, these short Q and A's. Were you ever thought about, like, did, did Vince ever consider you winning the world title before the uh, the issue with with um, Honky Tonk Man? Well, putting the belt no. on Honky Tonk Man. No, no, never. Never, never had that discussion. Oh wow. 
All right. Uh, next question: uh, Was there a specific match that you was there a specific match that you had with a peer that you left unsafe in and had to squash them in order to save you both? You don't need the no names are needed, but just you know scenario if you'd like. Hmm. A peer. Hmm. Had to squash him to save the man. I've never had to do that. Okay, well, that's good. Um, yeah. I've had guys that were difficult to work with only because they were limited in what they could do. Example, Ox Baker. Mm-hmm. Um, but I learned to work around his stuff that he could do. But, you know, to me, it, it never ended up being a, a favorite match of, of Ricky. So. Yeah, he would. He would. You know, Greg Valentine was totally different to work with than, let's say, Rick Flair. Mm. You know, back in the. But we did. We'd have great matches. Yeah. Um, I, Chris, I learned early on as a baby face that I would adjust my work style to the heel that I was working with, mm-hmm. instead of having the heel try to adjust to my style. You know. And um, I, I, I felt like I was a chameleon, and I, I would I would learn to work and capitalize on the, the strength of the heel. In essence, we'd end up having a good match. Um, I knew how to sprinkle in my Ricky Steamboat isms mm-hmm. through the match, um, whether the pace was slower or whether the pace was fast or whether we're going twenty minutes or we're going the hour. So. Uh, I always learned that I would adjust my work rate and my style to the heel on any given night. Yeah, I think that makes a good baby face, too, because essentially you're making the heel look good for them to make you look good, you know, in the end. Because, you know, a lot of heels are bigger. uh, They weigh more. They're taller. They can't do the scooting around and tickle and tackles and baseball slides and up and overs like I can. So I, I just don't go there. Yeah. But uh, throughout, throughout the heat segment of the match out, I can find out to sprinkle in some Ricky Stebo stuff and um, only to get stopped. And then we're back in the heat. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. A few quick questions here. Um, is there a, a wrestler active today that you would like to mentor? If you were their manager, how would you book them? Hmm. God, you know, me being in a managerial position has never crossed my mind. Hmm. Even in the twilight of my career, you know, a lot of guys spin off and being an active wrestler to be a manager, right? Yep. Yeah. They 20 years of wrestling and now they, you know, segue into managing. Mm. You know, I, uh, if I was ever do anything in that position, um, you know, I, I'm going to give you, I'm going to throw out a guy's name that he's 50, 50 with the fans. The way John, you remember when John Cena was in his heyday? He was always like 50 50 with the fans, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Only eight booze, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And it's only because I really like the guy as, as, as a man and, um, he is out that maybe a lot of fans don't see behind the scenes and that's Roman Reigns. Oh yeah. I'm a, I'm a big Roman Reigns fan. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, he's one of those 50, 50, right? He um, is, he is, which I defend a lot because I don't, you know, a lot of, a lot of reasons why people boo him. It doesn't make any sense to me, but uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. People say he can't wrestle, but he, he's wrestled, amazing matches uh people say he's been shoved down our throats but you know who wouldn't if, if they if they were in that same spot would they say no you know to the offers that you know to the uh to to his position would they say oh no i'm not gonna uh accept you know a world championship run or you know that doesn't doesn't make any sense and plus he's nowadays he's not even anywhere near the title picture you know he's been he's been right. back for months so yeah it, yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. But I'll, yeah. I'll tell you guys, I did say no back in the day. Sid Vicious. Sid Vicious said no to a WWE title run. Yeah. Wow. Because it was interfering. Because it would interfere in his softball. Really, I never knew that. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. He uh, played. He played professional softball. Um, and he he loved it so much that he uh, from this is, I'm I'm hearing this second third hand back in the, and I was thinking how could you turn down being a world champion at working for the biggest company a good year run could really set your future oh yeah just to get twenty five bucks a game for playing softball <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's my that's my frame of thought too. So you're not alone on that one for sure. Um, all right, uh, a few quick questions uh, to buy your time here. Um, who who, if anyone, do you consider to be the next great of professional wrestling? Um, you know, it doesn't have to be specific to WWE if you don't like, but if you'd like uh, WWE. Wow. Uh- I, I go back to go back to Seth Rollins. Um, when I was at the FPW training school, and he was there, he was uh, he already had a number of years under him, but still bringing up um, psychological or psychology about a match in the ring when you do it, why you do it, why it works better to do it in the beginning and don't do it at the end, and vice versa, and all that. He uh, he was a guy that was. You could see it in his eyes that light bulbs are clicking on. He's not giving you the deer in the headlight look. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he he gets it. You know, um, uh, you know AJ. Uh, I'm I'm a big fan of his work, and, he, and we all know that he's been around. But you know, uh, he was in that transition of old school into today's style of wrestling and, and um, but he uh, he leaves it all in the ring every time he works and uh, also very res- respectful and, and what a guy what a good guy backstage awesome awesome 
Um, a couple, uh, just two more here. Uh, we're in a pivotal, we're in a pivotal time for the business. Where do you see wrestling in the next three to five years? Well, I was told, um, back when I was working for Crockett that the business, uh, has a, has a five year swing Hmm. and five good years and then five years that are low and then five good it just goes back and forth mm-hmm. like that um, i kind of understand that when i was back in the territory days and when i was working for crockett and we would have the five good years and then then the, no matter what you did or how hard you tried to jump it down the fan's throat with an angle or something on tv it was just uh you're in the middle of a transition to where new fans, I mean, the old fans are leaving and the new fans are coming in. Mm-hmm. So you just go to weather the storm and bite the bullet. And then next thing you know, you start selling out again. Mm-hmm. Um, that was told to me from, you know, back in the seventies. Um, and, uh, because I didn't know. And I went to I went to Crockett and I said, "What what's up? I mean, we're all working just as hard and everything is just as solid and the angles on TV are, are just as strong." And he was just telling me, he says, "You know, the business runs in five years cycles." Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So, it's it's been a it's been a, a really down moment as far as interest. Um, you know, yeah. last week I believe was the lowest non-holiday RAW in WWE history, and I would say even for the past ten years has been it's it's been on a decline as far as overall interest. Um, so hopefully, you know, there's hopefully there's um, uh, there's interest and intrigue for WWE to really uh, focus on just viewer interest and just really. You know, bring back that face heel dynamic, bring yeah. back those cliffhangers, yeah. stuff like that. I think we need that, Chris, and we need better storytelling and very yes. better storylines. But also, understand this: uh, we we've had a changing of the guard. Yeah. Uh, with 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 Taker, um, um, oh God, even, I just even Cena lost. Off because he's, you know, he's doing movies. Yep. Uh, Triple H uh, to a degree he comes back once or so a year, but not really. <laughs> you know, it's not full time anymore. John Michaels. John Michaels. Yep. Yep. Uh, I'll tell you real quick. A question for me when I do it live is uh, if there was one guy you didn't. You'd love to work with that you haven't worked with, and that and my, the name pops up with me is always John Michael. Yeah, Ooh. wow, that'd I, be a fantastic match. I'd love to have been able to work with him when when he was at his peak, and, and I was at my peak in our career. I, I really think we could put on a heck of a match. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think everybody else in the pro wrestling world would too. Who thinks that too? <laughs> you know, it's funny. He he's always seems to have the best match with Hoover or whom he's working with. Correct. Yep. Yeah. It didn't matter. So getting back real quick, uh, we, we, we just mentioned a bunch of big names 
that have slowly bowed out or, or limited themselves to the number of times that they're working and at the changing of a guard and uh, trying to find that new one guy and then the all the others that are just right below the one guy, right? You know, yeah. the, the half dozen of names that, that fall right underneath the one big name. Mm-hmm. So... And I and I do understand, you know, it's been going on longer than, like I said, five year cycles. And you are correct. It seems like about eight, nine, ten years now. It's, uh, it isn't. Uh, they're not blowing the doors down, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So who, other than you, I mean, the the deep arm drag is the steamboat arm drag. Yeah, I think they should just go ahead and. <laughs> yeah, and I stole that from Jack Briscoe. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I remember. I've heard somewhere about you saying that you that you took that from Briscoe before. Uh, but you you've definitely. I mean, Briscoe's you know he's a legend as well. But you definitely popularize it as far as the as far as the as far as the fluidness. Uh, it just looks so you know poetic. You know when when you did the arm drag. Uh, who other than you and Briscoe, who do you think past and or present had the best arm drag other than uh, you and uh, and Briscoe? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> Can you think of anybody who uh who had a everybody arm else drag? did everybody else did it the same way as everybody else except for me and Jack. You mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. It was uh, you're a very conventional arm drag the guy across your body type of move. Yeah. Arm drag you drag the guy across your body, and then I, I had to actually sh- work with some heels and show him that look. I like to I can get up in the air as long as you feed me, jump as high as you can, and just do a somersault and you'll just float right over me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was a uh, very poetic, <clears throat> very poetic arm drag. So NWA, you, you talked about the, uh, you, you're just your stomping grounds in NWA, AWA, but, uh, NWA just really, um, just really popularizing the name of, of Steamboat, and, and of course your stint in WWE took it even to a different level. NWA is really, Bringing itself back, recently had a Crockett Cup a couple of weeks back, you know, bringing back that uh, NWA feel, you know, Cornette uh, being a color commentator. Uh, have you indulged in any of the new NWA stuff? And if you have, what, what are your thoughts? I have, uh, to be honest with you, I have not. Okay. Uh, I have not. Ricky I, and I was, I was, I was asked to God, this is back going back several months ago to be able to be a guest at their, one of their shows mm-hmm. earlier. Shows, and, um, I was already previously, uh, obligated and, and couldn't do it. Okay. I, I just, I just hear rumors and hearsay just, you know, through what I read and, and, and some of the stuff that I'm getting from some guys every now and then. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> Ricky and Robert, uh, they were part of the Crockett Cup this year. Still, still going strong in the ring, man. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There was a video there. Yeah, it's worth watching. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoy watching it. And this is someone who watched the original NWA. Uh, it was, you know, it was a good. It was, it was a good, uh, solid show, I believe. And Nick Aldis is the NWA champion. I've been had him on my show twice. He's a stand-up guy, and I think he's a good person to really. Uh, you know, uh, be at the helm of, uh, of the NWA. So yeah. 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 There was a video recently of, um, of Ricky Morton doing the, uh, Canadian destroyer PD, PD Williams's move. And, uh, it was amazing. <laughs> it's like when you, it's like a flip pile driver and it's, it's crazy. And you know, him and in his early sixties doing, doing that move, it's, uh, it, <laughs> it shows a lot, man. Uh, once you once you got it, you got it. <laughs> and just like with you you and Jericho, man, people saying you still got it and that and that carrying over to a, a singles match the, the month after. So and that was unplanned, right? That wasn't the part of the deal originally. It was supposed to be a one off, right? It's supposed to be a one off and we ended up having a Vince was so impressed and, and Chris wanted to work with me in a single. Yeah. Um so at backlash, I think that was a pay per view like three weeks later. Mm-hmm. Um, we took our match overseas. There was a overseas tour, as the company does a lot, and we worked overseas every night. We came back to the states, and we did uh, the Carolinas, the Mid Atlantic, about six or seven of the major markets uh, throughout the Carolinas. So that one off WrestleMania 25 handicap match, where he was the legend killer, ended up being like. 20 matches. I mean, um, I was having a, I was having a blast. Um, yeah. I think that the fans were too. <laughs> it was definitely, especially me as a steamboat fan. It was, it was great to, to see the build. I wasn't a big fan of the, 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 the wrestler style build, uh, and just, uh, just the three, you know, the, the, the three opponents, and it, it, to me, I wasn't a big fan of that. But you know, the the month after, I was a much bigger advocate of uh, just you and you and uh, Jericho alone. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, was, yeah. He, he took care of me out there in the ring. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a great match. It was memorable for sure. Yeah. Well, Ricky, it's been a pleasure, man. I, I really uh, enjoyed every bit of this. I hope you did as well. And um, uh, I thank you so much for availing your time, your busy schedule, um, and, and coming on the show with me tonight. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure, man, and uh, I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me, Chris, and you can check me off your bucket list. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, man. With a big, large, happy check mark. And uh, <laughs> uh, is there is there any social media that you would like uh, people to know or any upcoming uh, upcoming dates? You know, I'd have to go to my calendar. That's how bad my memory is. And, and I have to refer to it every day. Although um, I'm off for the next couple of weekends and greatly uh, appreciative that I'm home. Um, yeah, I, I can stay pretty busy uh, every week going somewhere and doing something. I'm, and I still do stuff with the WWE. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of fundraising and charity work, and whenever they need an ambassador, spokesperson type guy, they, they call me up. So uh, it's a great gig in, in this part of the time in my life and in my career to be able to do that. 
I always give great thanks to all my fans for over the years. This November, I'm celebrating 42 years of being affiliated in the wrestling business. And, wow. Uh, and I do have a, a lot. What I consider myself is a lot. And I give all my thanks to the fans for coming out and buying those tickets and you know, even though we worked our asses off in the ring, excuse me, I'm sorry, worked our butts off in the ring. Um, but without them, um, I wouldn't have what I have here. In so yeah. It's uh, very, uh, very humbling and satisfying. Yes, indeed. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It was a pleasure meeting you, too. Uh, you know, I'm an Ohio guy. You, I met you uh, and took a you know, I had my son Elijah meet you at uh, Bobby Fulton's. I'm good friends with Bobby Fulton. His event in Chillicothe. Yeah. yeah, you were special special referee at that event. And uh, at the very end, when you were heading out, I chatted with you and took a picture of me, you, and my my little six year old Elijah. So it was it was a pleasure. I, I do remember that. Absolutely, yeah. Thank Thanks so much, Ricky, for being on the show, man. Have a good night. All right, I hope everybody enjoyed the Ricky the Dragon Steamboat interview. Um, I really, I really personally had a very good time with uh, with this interview, and uh, it was great. It was, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, they say, what, never meet your heroes or something like that. Not only did I meet right, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, one of the greatest of all time, my top three of all time, I met him. As you as you heard at the end of the interview, <clears throat> but he remembered that I uh, met him, me and my my oldest uh, Elijah. Um, he remembered that, but I uh, got to chat with him there and <clears throat> interviewed him uh, this week and uh, last week. Uh, so I hope you all enjoyed uh, the the two part interview with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. It was originally only scheduled for twenty minutes, but it ended up being uh, nearly an hour. Or so. Um, you know, it was a great conversation, as you uh, heard over the past couple of weeks. So, all right, without further ado, let's uh, bring on this uh, these headlines. Uh, we got uh, some headlines. We got uh, Raw SmackDown, which we're not going to talk too much about. Um, we got brackets. We got the uh, conclusion of the. Um, we got the conclusion of the um, Big O Belt, the best one-time Big O Belt. And, of course, we have the uh, predictions for the Money in the Bank. Uh, we'll probably do, we do, we usually do predictions at the very end, but since we have a lot of fun with the brackets, um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, do the brackets, um, <coughs> do the bracket at the end. All right. All right. So let's, uh, let's get these headlines. Here we go. All right, so very somber moments, very somber moments. Uh, so Silver King, um, so sad. Uh, he was wrestling a Juventud Guerrero this past weekend um, in London uh, at a lucha event in um, in London, and um, just wow, 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 wow. Um, he was. It was he. It was a clothesline. He ducked the clothesline uh, from Hooventude. Then he did like a flying clothesline, and um, he was on the on, on the ground. And um, 
been hoovering to, you know, like uh, he got on his hands and knees. It, it was really struggling to get up. The referee was kind of like, you know, uh, kind of like telling him to get up. And it was just uh, just really, really sad because Juventude, you know, just kind of kicked him because everybody was just kind of surprised and kind of bewildered of what was going on. And then Juventude kicked him around the chest area and then he dropped down. And um, the the referee was just, I mean, everybody, they were just kind of shocked, you know. And um, it was just really sad. It was just a really sad moment and. And then they were trying to uh, turn him over, and it was a, it was there was having a big difficulty turning him over, and so the referee counted the two, then he stalled, and then he counted the three, and then Hooventude, I mean, he had no idea what was going on. He was celebrating, and then he, um, <clears throat> and then he basically had the. Um. Uh, he he basically had the was celebrating and everything, and uh, it was just a really, really sad. It was it was really really sad. Uh, really sad moment. Um, and so, and then uh, they they realized that um, it was a lot more. It was a lot crazier um, than it, it was a lot. It was a lot worse than, than than you know they thought. And so, yeah. It, and then you know, Hooventu got back in. Some medics came back in, and unfortunately, it was it was it was um, it was the end of, of Silver King um, having a heart attack. You know, uh, in the ring. So. It was it was really sad. It was a really sad moment. Fifty one years old. Um, every everybody just seemed confused. Um, they really didn't know how to you know to 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 really handle it. It was I mean, underst- understandably so. It was just so shocking. Everybody was just so um, shocked. And like like I said, even the referee, he stalled at two and he went at three, and it was just it was just so sad. I mean, and and Silver King was jacked. He was I mean, he was jacked. I mean, of course, I would say other than his, you know, he was in w, WCW for about three years, three to four years. But of course, Nacho Libre was um, was his big, you know, I guess box office moment. He was uh he paid uh, Ramsey's I believe it was. So yeah, it was it was really sad. A lot, a lot of wrestlers commented on it. Um, you know, it was um, uh, it was it was quite sad. Jericho was talking about how he was uh you know when he was wrestling in in, in Mexico with CMLL, um, Silver King just really. He he really he he made him feel very comfortable. He said uh, he was a stranger in a strange land, and and then uh, you know, but Silver King made him feel comfortable. And yeah, just you never know, man. You know, it's just life is just so short. You never you never know. I mean, tomorrow's never promised. And just to be 
doing something that he loved, you know, um, and just to die, to die that way. And, you know, here's the crazy part, you know, Silver King for, for wrestlers, it's like, man, I, I can imagine, you know, someone saying, um, you know, that's, that would be the way that he would want to go out if, you know, in the ring or, or some, you know, something close to it because he's been wrestling and he, you know, this is, this has been his life for so long, you know, in, in the ring, but just as fans though, I mean, it's just so shocking to see something like that. Um, 51 years old, he was, you know, still doing some, still traveling, you know, in Mexico and in Europe, and he was still the man, you know, I mean, he was absolutely still the man, um, um, and, you know, still in the lucha, in in the lucha, uh, the, the, the lucha scene, but it's a really sad moment, so that, my, my prayers go to, uh, Silver King, Caesar, um, <clears throat> uh, Baron, uh, the the family and friends of Silver King. This is a really sad moment. I'm sure that is just a really tough moment for his friends and family. Um, I just know for me, if you know, if if I found out that my 50 year old friend, sibling, nephew, you know, if I found out that you know 51 is not old first of all and then second of all just um and and i was and i was seeing just different shows that he had um coming up and different shows that he was on and you know he was still very very popular you know in the in the indie scene on the lucha scene he was still very popular and he had some dates coming up too and you know, I've seen some uh, some matches recently that he was a part of, and he was still way over. People loved him, and it's a really, really sad. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's fifty one isn't old in any other field, but um, you know, to to wrestlers, it's you've beat up, beat up your body for thirty plus years. It, it's really sad. So. And, and, you know, it was crazy when I was doing some research on him. I forgot that he was actually a part of um, the NWA Tag Team Tournament back in 1992. Him and uh, El Tejano, uh, they were, I think they were called the Silver Kings, uh, I think one and two. But it was El Tejano. Um and because in Mexico it will be him, El Dandy, it'll be El, El uh, Tejano, El Dandy, and Silver King. Uh, they were kind of like a trio, and and Tejano he uh, won against. Um, it was him and Silver King, and they were in the tournament match against the Freebirds, Michael Hayes and, and Jimmy Garvin. That was very interesting, and I was watching a video with uh, Eric Bischoff and Lance Russell. They were in the control center with a big old bracket behind them it was a huge like wall size bracket behind them and they were sitting in stools uh talking about the tournament and that's 
And that's just the that's the wrestling that I grew and love. I, I, you will never get me away from enjoying that type of pro wrestling. It was a control center with Eric Bischoff and Lance Russell promoting an NWA tag team tournament, having uh, interviews, having vignettes, and and the, the Freebirds were the U.S. champions at that time, and they were unhappy that they weren't seated. They weren't seated in the tournament despite being the U.S. Tag Team Champions. <laughs> and uh, I just loved it, man. And they, they actually cut a promo um, with the Silver Kings, with El Tejano and Silver King. They cut a promo with, with them. And they also uh, uh, showed a promo of the Freebirds uh, being upset that they, they weren't seated. So it was cool, man. It was a really cool video. Um, and there were other teams that were a part of it. They were, they were showing promos too. So it was cool. So, you know, like I said, 51 is young. It's definitely a young age, but, um, he's, you know, he, he was in the business for over, th- you know, for three decades and, and you know he he was a uh, you know one of the biggest lucha stars that you know uh, throughout the past you know twenty years or so he was huge huge uh, lucha star uh, and he had an opportunity you know he he got an opportunity to be notable in the states and also have a a, a movie role you know so you know I, I kudos to that you know if you're gonna live. <clears throat> Make something out of it. Make a legacy. Make something for from it. Uh, so you know, like I said, fifty one being young, very true. But at least there's something you know indelible to talk about as far as Silver King. So again, my prayers go with his family and friends. And um, definitely a sad moment. Uh, but uh, you know, let's think about the 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 fact that. Uh, he was <laughs> Ramsey's and, and, and Nacho Libre, and I actually watched that movie before, and it was a uh, it's actually pretty cool. So, all right, so uh, you know what? I forgot to watch the uh, Bret Hart and uh, and Tom McGee match. <laughs> so I think I may pull it up real quick. Um, I probably won't put the uh, the sound on <clears throat> because. You never know. If you put that sound on, ladies and gentlemen, you will get pinged. You will get you will get pinged. Hey guys, be sure to uh, like, comment on the show tonight. We're having a whole lot of fun tonight on the on the show. Be sure to hit that like button and be sure to support uh, Pancakes and Power Slams on Patreon, on Twitter, on all types of social media. Um, so I am about to watch Bret Hart and Tom McGee as we talk about the headlines. Um, let's see any, uh, 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 ask Chris questions, hashtag ask Chris questions. Um, I'll go ahead and tackle those. And as we're talking, I'm going to <laughs> watch uh, Tom McGee. I really want to pull this up. I really wish I could pull this up, man. I really, really do. Um, I'm uh, trying to find it here. Bret Hart versus Tom. Is it on uh, the network? Is it on the network? Uh, Kimbo wants me to do a live reaction of it. 
Now, I could do that, but the only thing is I cannot show, um, I can't, I can't play any sound. I can't show it or play any sound because WWE are paying me for it. Um, so I don't, I don't think I could be, I don't think I could do that, unfortunately. Um, Cody said it should be on the network. Okay. I'll give you all my, I'll watch it. I'll watch it after the show. Just, just because again, if I hear, if they hear any sound, WWE hear any sound, this happened to my show before WWE's ping my show before for playing a snippet. You know, remember I'll play the GWF stuff. Uh, remember you remember you used to have the watch parties for that. Um, I got pinged for that because not, a, not because of the GWF stuff, because on the video there was a snippet of USWA stuff, and WWE still uh, USWE owns the the library. Uh, WWE owns the library of USWA, so um, yeah. <laughs> so so I got pinged for that, unfortunately. So. Uh, <laughs> Uh, all right. So, uh, ask Chris questions. Hashtag ask Chris questions. Until then, um, all right, here we go. Lexi, uh, what are your thoughts on the Dark Side of the Ring series? To believe gorgeous Gino died of an, uh, uh, an OS, maybe OD, I guess, maybe, maybe it says OS, um, or something sinister. Do you, okay, OD, uh, do you think Ric Flair stole his gimmick? Good question. Good question. Yeah, I agree, Kimo. That's a tad bit petty. I agree. It's funny because they show you what part. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it showed the, 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 it was like a few minutes of USWA that uh, they were like, boom, we can't play. You know, it was, it, yeah, they pinged me for it. It was, it was crazy. Um, all right, so let me, let me address that qu- answer. Let me, qu- let me answer that question, Lexi. Good question. Um, so I, I think we talked about dark side last week. I think the whole series is fantastic. We didn't talk about Gino cause you know, the Gino didn't come on last week. Um, it wasn't on when the show started. So let me, let's talk about Gino. Um, what's going on Shaq? Good to have you on the show tonight. Um, the whole series is absolutely fantastic. Fantastic. You know, it's so funny because I took my mom out I took her uh, out to eat this weekend for Mother's Day. And she knows that I'm a huge, avid wrestling fan, lifer. Um, and I've I've shared this before. I became a wrestling fan because my late great-grandma, she, I was blessed to actually live. Uh, I was actually, I was blessed to actually uh, live um, while my great-grandma was living until I was 14 years old. For 14 years, I had, and I, I was blessed to, to live with my great-grandma. A lot of people can't say that. Um, but I, I was able to live with her for 14 years. Um, she was an avid wrestling fan. I mean, like, I became a wrestling fan because my great-grandma was a wrestling fan. Um, no one really stayed a wrestling fan. No, <laughs> no one ever be, stayed a wrestling fan. My great grandma passed away um, in the mid '90s, and uh, and no one ever, <laughs> no one ever stayed. My brother was a fan while we were growing up, and he stopped. He, my brother's just a year younger than me, and um, he stopped when uh, I think maybe like middle school going into high school. 
he stopped. Um, but yeah, we were fans growing up, and I was the only one who stayed a fan. And uh, my mom was never a wrestling fan, but she watched. She's been watching the series. She's been watching the the uh, the uh, Dark Side of the Ring series because it's so captivating. It's so intriguing. We were talking about. We were talking about the Von Erich curse. Um, we were talking about um, Brody um, and, and what happened there. Um, so yeah, it was it was really cool, man. It, it, it was really it's a really cool conversation piece, and the, the the production is just fantastic. I love the fact that they have like actors to kind of you know silhouette you know you know the the uh characters it makes wrestlers feel like characters especially with the actors kind of playing you know doppelgangers you know so to speak of of the of the actual wrestlers um it's it's really cool man it it really is um and it really makes the business it makes the business just an anomaly and enlarged in life at the same time. And it makes me continue to talk about how much I missed the whole character aspect and just the intrigued and just how amazing pro wrestling was in the eighties and nineties when, you know, I grew up watching them, um, watching it and specifically with Gino, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because, <sighs> You know, as far as dying from an overdose, he could have. You know, he had that big bowl of of, of uh, cocaine. I think it was quite possibly. Uh, he was in. You know, he was in some some dirt uh, from from what the documentary said. So it's just it's just weird to have a gun by him. Um, so, but at the same time, it's interesting because. I'm about to be a doctor in forensic psychology, so I'm thinking in my head, you know, I'm, I'm always thinking forensic, so I'm thinking in my head, like, okay, trace the gun, trace the bullet, trace, you know, we need forensic, you know, I mean, uh, uh, we need a trail here, there's a trail for everything, and I didn't hear any type of, you know, who owned the gun, there wasn't any... You know, if he if he shot himself, there would be a pool of blood. Uh, you know, dust the gun off of Prince, all anything like that. You know what I mean? Like I didn't hear any of that stuff. So those are the things that I'm thinking about. Um, just working, you know, just about about to be a doctor in, in the forensic field, uh, specifically forensic psychology. And so, yeah, I mean, those are the things that I was thinking about when I was lo- looking at the documentary. Um, but like I said, if he did shoot himself, I would, it's weird because you would see spatter everywhere from, from what, from what they said, they were suspicious and then they looked in and saw the body on the ground, but you know, it don't matter where he shot him. Obviously it was a fatal shot. So if it was a fatal shot. And then, and there's so many things to think about when it comes to that because you have to think about the body, where the body was. It, you know, if somebody shoots himself in the head, um, 
where did he shoot himself in the head? If he shot himself from the front end, there's typically a, I mean, you fall back, you know, a lot of times because of the, the, uh, the force, um, you know, if he shot himself in the back of the head, you know, maybe there's a, you know, the, there's a the forward motion side of the head, you know, the opposite side. So it's just, there's so much to think about when it comes to that, you know, um, yeah, Daniel saying angle, angle of the entry wound and direction it came from. Exactly. Um, so those are the things that I always think about when it comes to stuff like that. And I, they didn't talk about any of that. And so if it was a suicide, those are the things that I would be thinking of. I mean, compare, I would see if it really was a suicide based on the things that I just said, you know, if it was a suicide, uh, you know, there should be gun residue on your hand. You know, there's there, that's another big thing. Um, uh, as far as you, if you know, if it's a suicide, they should have, they should have checked his hands for gun residue. If there was no gun residue, um, on his hands, if it was also a suicide, you know, a lot of times you're pressing on your body. So there should be residue, uh, that's, um, by the entry wound. Uh, so they're there. So basically they should have checked that if he was shot himself in the head, they should, they should have been residue on his head. There should have been a pool of blood and spatter. And I didn't, I mean, they didn't say anything, any of that. So those are, those are a couple, those are things that, you know, um, wasn't talked about that. I wish they would have dug into a little bit more. Uh, Lexi's asking, uh, do you believe his body was decomposed prematurely to cover the murder? Do you find it convenient that a former drug mule come came um, forward to re- uh, relieve the family's fear at the end? Yeah, that is very interesting. And uh, and it's very interesting that they, they interviewed the guy too, John Royal, I believe his name was. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it seems suspicious to me based on like all the things that I said, if it was a suicide, I didn't hear, they didn't talk about any of that stuff. Um, and they said that, uh, you know, his body was, it was, it was there for days. So very interesting stuff. Very, very interesting stuff there. Um, you know, like I said, I mean, it, from based on a documentary, it seemed like there was a lot of, you know, uh, it was a lot of dirt that he was in that he got himself into, and this is sad too because he was what uh, twenty eight, I believe it was, and so just just uh, really sad stuff. Um, can't even didn't even make it to thirty, you know, and 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 died. Um, and I, do I think Ric Flair stole his gimmick? No, I mean Ric Flair, you know, Nature Boy. Um was I mean Rick Flair was Rick Flair in the you know early seventies, early eighties. So um so yeah it was it was a really cool gimmick. I think that Gino would have been a pretty sweet uh horseman, honestly. Um but at the same time him and Chris Adams was just they looked so I mean they they, looked, they had similar looks, similar builds. Uh and I do remember the um the, the the Chris Adams babyface turn and then wearing the patches and all that. I mean, really selling kayfabe, man. That was 
that's how you sell kayfabe. <laughs> that's that's how you sell some kayfabe, and I I loved it. Mo, we're talking about Gino Hernandez. He uh, was uh, real big in in uh, world class championship wrestling uh, in the mid to uh, late eighties. All right. So uh, also, we're going to talk about the next headline. We're going to talk about is. Um, Lars Sullivan. So let's talk about some Lars Sullivan, ladies and gentlemen. Ah, all right. So, <laughs> Lars Sullivan. All right. So I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll take it to the I'll defer to the P and Peanut Gallery. Ask me an ask Chris question that's related to Lars Sullivan. Uh, no, I'm not going to defer it to you, Lex, you all to answer. Just ask me a question related to Lars Sullivan and I'll answer it that way. So I'm not going to defer it and, and just say, I'm not going to answer it, but I'm going to answer it based on your question from a new standpoint. He's fine at hundred thousand dollars from the WWE. Um, and, um, you know, he, he. He definitely was reprimanded, but he wasn't fired. So, all right, Cody, here we go. Cody's asking, uh, do you feel it's right to bring up something from so long ago before he even worked for them? People grow and change. Um, so, okay, so here's here's my thoughts on that. Okay, so, uh, and, and Mo, I'm going to answer yours. Um, okay, so all three of you are asking about the same thing that I can answer in one question. Kimbo is asking, how do you get fined for something from 10 years ago? Mo is asking, what did the forum say? Okay, so the forum um, actually, Gress is asking, do I think it's too excessive? No, I don't think it's too excessive for what he did. Um Let's see. Let me pull up the forum. The forum. The forum. So he had two accounts, okay? That's the biggest thing. I think one was from like 2007 and the other was from 2011. Um, Let me pull this up here, actually. I'm going to get... I'm going to let you all know in um, as recent as three years ago, uh, Lexi says. All right, let's see. Let's see here. I'm going to I'm gonna pull up the forum here uh, to get the comments verbatim uh, as soon as it comes up here. All right. Pull up, I'm pulling this up here. All right. So. Okay, so. I'm just going to read a few of them here. So he had two accounts from bodybuilding.com. So basically, um, it started off with him wanting to do. To, to verify the, ver- the the reason why the person who um, followed the trail 
This is all on Reddit. Um, the person who knew that, who verified that the account was his, was based on a 2000. Um, let's see, this was 2013. So this was uh, six years ago. June of 2013. So the reason why we knew that the account was his because he actually was discussing um, uh, getting into WWE or TNA based on his look. And he actually showed a picture of it. Um, he, he showed a picture of himself. Um, and this was um, June 7th of 2013. So we so that verified that it was that account that is on that forum is from is him um and so okay so there's a bunch there's a bunch uh let's go into the racist comments there's a bunch of comments he actually said, actually. But this was, so this is a th 13. This was 2013. Um, not not be racist, but it seems like white people are, are, are more willing to take responsibility of their own lives than blacks and Hispanics who are all for government handouts. So, so they were talking politics on a forum here. And then, um, let's see. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff, you know, that he was just talking about. Just some really controversial stuff. That I mean, you can all Google all this. I'm not going to show them. <clears throat> I'm just going to read it. Um, really just uh, xenophobic stuff. Um, you're talking about Vince McMahon. Um, yeah, just just making phobic comments. Just a lot of just real, really crazy stuff. Um. So yeah, so we'll, we'll uh, let's see. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh. So he said, "Yeah, here's the talking about Kofi and our truth, calling them a PG Black Panther stable. I always wonder why they had to team up two black guys. Both these guys looks like they could be in, a, in the prison black gang. Some blacks want to take advantage of their great grandparents' misfortunes, and they want a piece of the uh, pity pie." Instead of taking some personal responsibility, to choose to attack the white man and say we must take care of them financially. Black Panther Party, etc., etc. So, yeah. So that's uh, quite unfortunate. There's much, many other, many other comments, um, many other comments that I'm not going to read. But um, so here's here's my here's my take on that. Let me see if there's any other. Um, so here's, here's how I feel about that. So this, again, it goes from a psychology, uh, someone who, someone who's studying psychology from a PhD level. Okay. My thoughts is this now there's 40 and slips and I've talked about this with, with the Hogan thing too. 
there's slip ups. There's like there's there's how you really feel about something, but it's not necessarily strongly how you feel about something. Um, there's all types of things that just your preference, you know, that doesn't necessarily make you racist or discriminatory. There's all types of things that are just on a mild level of like that could be borderline discriminative. You know, those marks can kind of be discriminatory or um, have some racial undertones or something like that. But when you get to the point of just blatant, excessive, uh, misogynistic remarks, um, and not only was it in that account but they actually traced it from another account that was a previous account and they were and it was like six like five or six years apart in difference because he was making the same comments in like oh seven oh eight on another forum and then making the same comments five or six years later so from a psychological standpoint if I was to evaluate that, I would say, okay, so the trend is if you're making all these comments, a slew of comments in like 0708, and then a slew of comments in 2013 that mirrors each other in a five or six year gap and they still mirror each other, your thought process is pretty stern, you know, when it comes to these subjects. Now, I can't say everything about you is X, Y, and Z, but I can say concerning these topics, you feel very strongly about these topics, about this opinion of these topics. If it's four or five, six years, two different accounts, mirrored comments about the same topics, five to six years apart, you're, you're, you feel pretty strong about them and pretty stable. And, and, and here's my thing. Do you feel different five years later? Perhaps, you know, perhaps, but the pattern is showing that uh, it, there's not a big, it, there's there's probably not a big paradigm shift when it comes to these topics. And if you weren't in the WWE, if you didn't have, you know, um, a bunch of PR, you know, <laughs> looking at every uh dot in 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 uh, in in every in every word and letter that you're doing and saying if you didn't have pr down your throat i would i would challenge and i would and i love interviewing from a from a forensic psychology standpoint you know i uh am trained to interview uh current felons and, and and things like that i'm trained to interview people like that and i'm trained to get in the mind of those people of why they did what they did and this even to a smaller level, I would really be interested to see, first of all, why are you making those comments? And I question, I, I, I would I would push back and, and go very and be very stern in my interview of, you know, do you feel do you still feel this way? You know, because obviously he felt very stern about it. And people keep saying that was from 10 years ago. No, it wasn't. You know, the one form was from 10 years ago. I just read you something that was in 2013. So I just question whether those gaps and, you know, that much years apart, you, you've grown, you've done a bunch of stuff, you, you've, you've, you've experienced, you've, you've done many things that would make you change your mind. 
And if we're talking a five or six year gap, two different accounts, you saying the same things. Obviously, it showed that you didn't change your mind about it. Why? And this will be the question. Why should I believe that you've changed your mind about those topics now? And I'll be willing to hear his answer. You know, I'll be willing. You know, I would I would take as many presuppositions as possible that I weigh. Um, and I would be willing to hear his answer. But I would be very skeptical, to be honest. I would be very skeptical of whether he has a change of heart um, about those topics because he felt very stern about them. It wasn't just like, uh, and I'm mad. I'm going to call this black dude the n-word or something you know it wasn't necessary it wasn't that it was just <laughs> i read you some of the comments he's very strong about what he believes and they are blatantly racist so that's my thoughts on it um see if there's any other uh questions uh, i don't think Lars is alone it's a lot it's a lot like him in secret i agree with Gress. I definitely agree. Tammy says, uh, did WWE drop the ball in scouting him? How did they miss this? Or did they hope fans wouldn't find it? I think probably it's a combination of both, Tammy. Um, Biggie said people knew, people backstage knew. This became a big deal. I mean, there were, this was already covered. I mean, it was kind of covered to, on a smaller scale, you know, some months back. But it started to really resurface when Biggie was the one who. You know, retweeted and said people in the, in the WWE backstage know about this stuff. So, obviously, this is a um, this is a way to tell us to hush. You know what I mean? Uh, this is a way to say, okay, we're going to find you a hundred thousand dollars. I'm not even sure if uh, I'm going to give you. I, I'm not even sure if the fine is legit. I mean, it's legit according to what WWE was saying is legit. Um, but you know, Hey, you made some racist comments that are blatant. Now to be fair, um, he wasn't under the umbrella of WWE when he made these statements. So I think it would be one of those things. See, and I said this on Twitter, I said, if Hogan got burned, so should Lars. And I still feel like that, um, for the most part. But the thing is, Hogan was a WWE guy. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I think it was what, 2007 about the, um, the video. So I don't even think he, I don't even know if he was a WWE guy. Uh, I, cause I know, you know, there was the, around what, 2010 was the Hogan era in TNA. So he still might've been, you know, 2000, I think the, the tape was like 06 or 07. So I still think he was in a WWE at the time. Um, but you know, that was uh, a long time apart from each other, you know? Um, but you know, it's, it, it's not necessarily WWE's responsibility to speak for Lars, but at the same time, it's, it's a PR disaster. If you're, uh, pushing someone with these comments that are very stern and strong. And again, I'm I'm very skeptical if his mind has changed about these topics. Um, I'm willing to hear if his mind, if his mind has changed about those comments that I've read and all the other comments that he said, he, he has a slew of comments. If you read his forums, if you read his comments on the forums, it, I mean, he's very vocal about a, mu- a bunch of controversial topics, even, you know, even dissing current WWE employees, even making a joke about Vince. 
So I would be very, <clears throat> I'll be interested to hear my, the story that I would write as a journalist. I would be like, okay, so this is why Lars has changed his mind toward these things. That would be something I would be very interested about. Okay, Lars Sullivan has a change of heart about these topics, and here's why. And that's where the interview would go. <laughs> that's that's the angle the interview would go, because I'll be intrigued about that. Because um, that could help a lot of people who feels the same way that he did. Hopefully he still doesn't. But that would help a lot of people um, have a change of heart toward feeling a certain way if he once did and he shared possibly this is why he doesn't feel misogynistic or racist or you know xenophobic about certain things so you know that well i would be interested in that very much all right let's see if we have any more um cody's asking do i, do I think do I feel this would derail any push they were going to give him and make him lay low? I don't think so. I mean, we saw him on a, um, we saw him on SmackDown today. Um, so I don't know about derailing a push, and that's sad. I think they should have made. I think I think they should have. He should have laid low for for a few, for a few uh, for a few weeks on this, making him come right back on SmackDown tonight. Um. I don't think that was a good call. All right. I think that's it. Gross says, believe it or not, a lot of people are defending Lars Sullivan. That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, you can't defend that crap. I don't I mean, you can't defend it. Um, I mean, Lars need to be writing a long letter about how that was a huge mistake. I mean, again, from a, from a, from a PR perspective, they need to be reaming Lars about like, listen, you need to cover your butt here. You need to get to the point where this is not something that is endorsed by WWE. Yeah, they, 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 you know, they're sending media statements and stuff like that as far as that's not their thing. They don't endorse that and all, all that stuff, but they need to go to, they need to go to Lars and say, look, you need to send a big old you know, manifesto of of how this is why you have a change of heart and make it sound genuine too. Don't don't do it because you got caught. That's the big thing, man. Again, it goes back from a forensic standpoint. Don't do this. Don't don't write stuff because you were caught. You know, like because that that makes me question the the genuineness of it. If you got caught, you know, don't don't do it because it, it goes. It, it just seems fabricated. It just seems like you're just trying to hush people up by just writing some just to please people. It doesn't seem genuine. All right, good quite good comments, guys. Good comments. Um, Lexi's asking, do I think it was the cause of his anxiety attack, meaning he knew his pre previous comments were becoming public knowledge in the locker room and found out? Quite possible. Quite possible. Um, very, very quite possible. Um, yeah. I mean, I just, the timing just seems very odd. It just seems very odd that he probably, I mean, because obviously 
from his form, he really wanted to be a WWE star. He really wanted to, to, to get in the wrestling business. And, you know, if he was fired for this, you know, it would have just, he would have just spiraled probably mentally because he was, he's been waiting for this opportunity for so long. And, you know, if he would have gotten fired, it, he would have spiraled. Uh, he would have jacked him up mentally. Um, yeah, good comments, guys. Uh, Gress is asking what I think about the Kofi run. I think they made him look more like a tag partner than a champion of the brand. <clears throat> I'm cool with it. I mean, I think, I think people are, you know, let, let the moment, let the moment expire itself. Don't, don't make it premature. Kofi mania is still running wild. I would even venture to say that Kofi is more over than Becky Lynch right now. Uh, now the Becky, the Becky momentum, the Becky high is continuing to fade. Um, sadly, fade like strongly. But people are still big Kofi fans. The Kofi, the Kofi train, the Kofi mania, the Kofi you know uh, craze is still going on. Let you know, let it be organic. It, it was organic. To get there, I mean, it was this whole thing is organic, the whole thing, and so just let it continue. I think the WWE needs to do a better job with making him look like a star, though. I'm cool with the New Day thing. New Day is what brought him to the dance. If it wasn't for the New Day, I don't think Kofi would even have a main event style feel to him because for so long, without the New Day, um. He was um, a, a mid-card guy. As much as I've loved Kofi Kingston, through and through, been a big fan, but he's always felt like a mid-card guy, except for maybe the Orton uh, angle back in, I think that was 09. But um, he's always felt like a mid-card guy for the most part. So, yeah. Um, the New Day is what made, what made him feel like a main eventer. Uh, so I think right now, I mean, Big E is going to be out for an extended period of time. Uh, and I think right now, uh, Xavier is a good manager to Kofi. Uh, Xavier's very charismatic, great personality. He can play the, you know, he can he can play the, the horn, uh, you know, to the ring. And, um, you know. I think it's I think him being a manager type of role right now it fits. And I'm fine with it. Kimbo's asking uh what do I think about the team name for Oscar and Kari saying the Kabuki Warriors. Uh no I don't I don't think the New Day gimmick is stale aggressive. I think it's uh I love the New Day, man. I think it's uh I think they're one of the most charismatic people you know teams and characters um in wwe wwe is very as we heard with the steamboat interview me and him were talking very devoid of characters right now and that's why you have historically low ratings that's exactly why uh <laughs> i'm brilliant brilliant i tell you <laughs> hear about the wild card yeah i saw that mo uh, as far as the Kabuki Warriors, uh, um, 
I'm not sold on it. I'm not sold on the name. It's just the weird. I don't know. It's the weird. It sounds weird. It's just it's weird to me. It's just a weird. <laughs> yeah, Cody. Yeah, you didn't see it. Yeah, Kabuki Warriors is what they call uh, Oscar and Kari saying now. Yeah, the it just. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's just it's so it's just so bad. It's so it's so terrible, man. <laughs> it's just terrible. Uh, <laughs> someone tweeted Mo and said Dana Warrior came up with that name. Uh, you know that you know Dana Warriors uh, on the on the creative team now. That actually wouldn't surprise me. The Kabuki Warriors. All right, so the the third uh, headline before we get to Raw and SmackDown real quick, and then the flare of the week. Um, Goldberg versus the Undertaker. Going back to characters. Now, here's the thing. First of all, um, okay, let me let me answer this question real quick, and I'll get to Goldberg Taker. Uh, ask Chris, what do you believe the reason for Lacey Evans' push over the other blondes, such as Alexa, Natalia, and Dana? Do you believe that Bailey is selling herself out over false promises? Good question. Of course. Of course. Um, I just think it's one of those things that Vince sees. She has a look. She has the pinup look. Um, and Vince sees her and says, oh, yeah, this is this is candy right here. <laughs> this is candy. And wants to push her to the moon. She's, um, you know. I believe she's a uh, 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 military vet. And um, so she's got all the things that, uh, that screams star uh, as far as look and, and pedigree, as far as look and, and uh, you know, background and things like that. Um, she, I mean, she does look like a star. She does look like a star. I mean, she she's got the look for sure. I think there's a lot they need to work on with her. I think they pushing her at this point. I think it's premature. I think eventually Lacey Evans just reeks a star. I think they need to work on her a lot more. Um, but yeah, I mean, she fits the prototypical Vince McMahon look. Natalia is a very athletic, but she doesn't have that pinup look, you know, to her. Um, Alexa doesn't either. Uh, Alexa, Alexa does, but not as far as just the height and things like that. Dana's bulky, um, you know, bodybuilder bulky. So she doesn't have the necessary pinup look. So, I mean, Lacey does. So, yeah. All right. So take her and Goldberg. Um, I love this. To be honest with you, I love every. I love it. Maybe this is the you know old school talking again, and I will never get away from that. I love every single bit of this match. First of all, it's something we've never seen again, we've never seen before, and it seemed like we would never see. They teased it at the Rumble, you know, a couple years back, but it seemed like we would never we've never seen this, <clears throat> and uh, it was it was great. It's, it's this is great. Uh, it's a one-off. It's you know it's going to bring back 
a bunch of casual fans and old school fans and uh i'm i'm all for it i mean i'm excited i'm ex- more excited to see super showdown which i thought it was stomping grounds but they're <laughs> they're they're billing it a super showdown once again well it's funny because this is weird this whole thing is weird super showdown wasn't a saudi arabia thing it was the australia thing if i'm not mistaken now super showdown is a saudi arabia thing which is the same name as the australia event i don't know what goes on in those creative meetings and those production meetings this is just it's confusing it's mind-bogglingly confusing um but I, I'm I'm cool, man. I, I, I'm totally I'm totally cool with it. I, no, it's it. Uh, Cody's asking what's the name. It's called Super Showdown. It's the exact same thing as uh. It's it's the exact same thing as um as the Australia Super Showdown. I'll read the uh, I'll read the presser here. I mean the uh, release. Um. It says the the Saudi General Sports Authority will host WWE Super Showdown at the King Abdullah Sports City Stadium in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, on Friday, June seventh, at nine p.m. That's two p.m. Um, Eastern, and feature the first ever match between WWE Hall of Famer Goldberg and Undertaker. Also, Triple H versus Randy Orton. And a 50-man battle royal, the largest in WWE history. So, uh, yeah. Brock Lesnar will be there, too. So, I this, I mean, first of all, 50-man battle royal. I don't care about Triple H versus Orton. Um, but, I mean, you know, I guess. <laughs> but... I'm I'm pumped about uh, Taker versus Goldberg, and this is what I said. This, I, I've had this is what I said uh, to, in a recent conversation. I said Taker and Goldberg can stare at each other for ten minutes, and the crowd would be more excited than anything that has been going on in WWE. Because there's no characters, strong characters, terrible cliffhangers. It's just bad, bad, bad all over the place. And it, you have characters, you have old school, you have that nostalgic feel, which a lot of people are missing. That's the reason why people are dropping off of watching wrestling like crazy. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I, I'm more excited about this pay-per-view than any. Than, than any show of the year so far. Um, yeah, I mean Brock. For I mean, listen, Taker versus Brock. We never saw that. We never saw that before, and it's absolutely amazing. That, to me. It's it's great. Uh, <laughs> Cody said at this point they're gonna uh, keep bringing back Taker for wheelchair on a pole matches. <laughs> That's still better than what we're seeing now. <laughs> uh, Gress is saying Taker versus Goldberg will be a copy of Sting versus Hogan at TNA Bound for Glory. Nope. 
I, I, I don't agree with that because I still think from a, first of all, Goldberg can still go. Um, I mean, we saw it with him and Brock. He can still go. Taker, on the other hand, I mean, he's, uh, there's been a, a, um, a, a massive <laughs> decline in his, in his ability because uh, that match at, um, speaking of showdown, was it Super Showdown with those DX versus Brothers of Destruction? That match was a disaster. That was a train wreck. Uh, that was terrible. But I think from a, I, I, there was a lot of reasons why that just wasn't good, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, I, I, bald-headed Sean is the biggest for me. That was just, <laughs> I didn't want to see bald-headed Sean Michaels. That was terrible. Um, Kimbo's asking, do I think this match will have a clean finish? I think so. I think, I think Taker will uh, go over clean. I think, I think Takeover will be Goldberg clean. All right, so what are your grades on uh, Raw and SmackDown? What are your grades on Raw and SmackDown? Let's just real quick on these uh, Raw and SmackDown. I was nodding off on Raw. Um, it was it was rough for me to watch Raw. Um, I don't know what the heck they're doing with Braun Strowman. Um, they're doing such a terrible job booking him. Um. And and to me, this is the reason why we need the split because we saw Miz TV, Roman Reigns, Miz and Roman open up the say open up the Raw, and we saw Roman Reigns and Miz open up SmackDown. It, it's getting right back into what the issue was at the beginning, uh, before the split. SmackDown was just Raw light. That's what I called it. I called it Raw light. And um, we're already seeing it. We saw the same two people open up both Raw and SmackDown. That goes to show that we're heading into a really, really, (laughs) really muddy waters. Because we're getting the same stuff. The reason why I like the split. it It gives fresher names, fresher opportunities. But we exactly what I thought. It's exactly what I thought. Raw light again. Roman and Miz opening up Raw. Roman and Miz opening up SmackDown. That's exactly why we need a split. Trivia question. He was known in WCW as Max Payne. He was known in WWE as Blink. Uh, Cody says, F, I don't, did you watch, are you, did you watch Raw, Cody? You didn't watch SmackDown or you didn't watch both? Uh, Lexi says, Raw C minus SmackDown C. C for both for Mo. Gristall Raw was trash. C for both for Tammy. Kimbo, uh, D for Raw SmackDown C. I think he says, uh, this wild card thing is confusing. I think that's, yeah, I think that's my assessment too. Um, Gruss garbage juice for SmackDown. <laughs> Shaq says C minus for Raw, C for SmackDown, C plus and C plus uh, for uh, GSP. Uh, Cody says is an educated guess. <laughs> I'll give her Raw an F. Man, Mountain Rock, ladies and gentlemen, ran around Rock. Another trivia question before we get to the uh, the brackets. 
What was Marcus Corvon's name while he competed in TNA? Marcus Corvon's name when he competed in TNA. All right, let's get to this uh, Money in the Bank predictions. Money in the Bank predictions. Let's get to the Money in the Bank card here. Good job, Shaq. Monty Brown. What was Monty Brown's finishing move? What was Monty Brown's finishing move? It's a part B to that. All right, let's get to these predictions. Uh, we'll start with uh, the pre-show, Daniel Bryan and Rowan versus the Usos. Surprising that's on the pre-show. Um, Tony Nese versus Arya Davari is not, not uh, um, announced for the pre-show. Ten matches for Money in the Bank and two uh, Money in the Bank matches. Eight matches and two Money in the Bank matches. <clears throat> that is a lot. <laughs> that is a lot of matches. Again, Raw and SmackDown. Oh, man, this split is crazy. The pounce. Period. <laughs> Good job, guys. There you go, Daniel. The pounce. Um, so what you got for... Uh, Daniel Bryan and Rowan versus uh, the Usos. Um, I've got. uh, I think. I think Daniel Bryan and Rowan keeps it. Uh, Tony Nese uh, vegans win. That's what Tammy says. Uh, Tony Nese and Arya Davari. I think Tony Nese keeps it. Um, Usos because I'm biased is what Kimbo says. Uh, Tony Nice, uh, I think Samoa Joe. Ah, uh, well, Samoa Joe and Rey Mysterio, they're booking Mysterio so badly. <clears throat> I don't see Myster- <clears throat> Mysterio. stock is just really bad. Um, uh, I think I think you do. <clears throat> I think you do. Uh, I think you still got Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe. I think Kofi keeps it over Kevin Owens. Um, GSP's asking, uh, before we go, what was everyone's greatest moments of wrestlers in an arm cast? Yours was the Rock versus Undertaker casket match. Um, What I can think of is uh, Orton Orton Jr. (laughs) WrestleMania. Um, Miz and Shane, I think Miz uh, gets this one here. Gross thinks Becky will lose both both belts. I think Becky will beat uh, Lacey, and then Lacey will probably give her a woman's right, and then Charlotte will uh, come uh, uh, come out right after and pin Becky. So I think she beats Lacey, but I think she beats uh, she loses against uh, Charlotte. I think Reigns beats Elias. Rollins beat Styles, I believe. Um, okay, so the Money in the Bank, the woman's, I, th- I say, <sighs> you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if Mandy Rose wins. Honestly, I, I had a you know I had a, a theory that Bailey wins and then turns heel at SummerSlam after she cashes it in. Um, 
But it wouldn't surprise me for if Mandy Rose wins, honestly. As far as the men's, I have Drew McIntyre winning that one. So, let me get the brackets. All right, so let's get these brackets real quick. Kimbo thinks Sami Zayn will win the money, men's money in the bank. Okay. All right. That is a, uh, that's a big surprise. Gross thinks Corbin will. All right. All right. Flavor of the week. Here we go. It is now time for the flavor of the week. All right. Let's, uh, y'all's favorite, let's, y'all's favorite, uh, uh, Outro, y'all's favorite part of the night, uh, my awesome outro music, as soon as I find it, I thought I had it ready to go, uh, I thought I had it ready to go for y'all, I'll find it, <clears throat> um, oh yeah, it's a new one, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a new one, uh, I'll find it for y'all, I thought I, cause I have my list of stuff, my list of, uh, Songs ready to go. I'll find it for y'all, and because uh, y'all know, because I know that y'all that y'all's a uh, favorite cool down part of the night, ladies and gentlemen. So I will find that. I, I will find that before I even start the uh, the bracket, real quick. Uh, let's see. I gotta find that for y'all. I gotta find it for you. I thought I had it ready. I thought I had it ready for you. I thought I had it ready. But I will find it. All right, guys. All right. All right. Guess what, guys? I got something for y'all. I got something for y'all. Here we go. Here it is. Oh, yeah. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so let's get into these brackets. Let's get into these brackets. Let's get into these brackets. Um, all right, real quick, guys. Oh, yeah, uh, reaction show. Yeah, I'll be doing a reaction for Money in the Bank uh, for the oh, Grave Wrestling. Alright, so this is what we got so far. Let's get through these brackets real quick. Um, Benoit, Hasi, Steamboat, Muda, uh, Goldberg, Chono, and Barry Windham. Alright, real quick, let's do the next round. Benoit or Hiroshi Hasi. Chris Benoit or Hiroshi Hasi. Ah, the cool down is soothing, GSP says. Oh yeah! <laughs> All right, looks like we got Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit. All right, next we got uh, Steamboat and Muda. Ricky Steamboat and the Great Muda. Ricky Steamboat and the Great Muda. I think we might do. Might have. Might have to go a third week on this. Steamboat and Muda. 
I see Muda, I see Steamboat, I see... Oh, wow. Back and forth. 50-50, back and forth. Looks like... Looks like Steamboat's pulling away. Looks like, uh... Looks like it's Steamboat! The Dragon! So close, though. Yeah, it looks like... Barely. Alright. So now we have Benoit and Chono. Benoit and Masahiro Chono. Benoit and Chono. Who y'all got? Benoit and Chono. Daniel said Chono will break him. Benoit, 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 Benoit. All right, I think Benoit edges out of Chono. Barely. Okay, I'm seeing Chono again. All right. Oh, Shaq says Chono. Uh oh. Who we got? I think we might have a tiebreaker. Might have a tiebreaker. Who's next? Who's next? We got, we got, we got a tiebreaker. Do I break the tie? Do I break, do I break the tie? Come on, we need somebody. Benoit or Chono? I think we have a deadlock right now. Um, flip a coin, break the tie. Okay, tell me to break the tie. Ah, okay. Um, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do Chono. Oh, Benoit, Lexi, Lexi says Benoit. Um, I said Chono, so I guess we're tied again. <laughs> but I was supposed to break the tie, so I'm gonna I'm gonna renounce my my votes because we have another vote here. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna put Benoit for this one because the PNP Nation is who's voting. Um, all right, let's do, uh, two more. Let's get to the finals, and we'll do the finals next week. Uh, we got uh, Goldberg and Benoit. Goldberg and Benoit, and also Steamboat and Wyndham. So we'll start with Steamboat and Wyndham. Steamboat and Wyndham. Steamboat. Or Barry Wyndham. They've actually combated against each other. Steamboat or Wyndham. Alright, Steamboat's uh <laughs> Steamboat is getting the obvious win. Alright, so we got Goldberg and Benoit. Goldberg and Benoit. Who we got? <coughs> Goldberg. And Benoit. Goldberg and Benoit. Y'all got it. Y'all got it. The best one-time big gold belt winner. Benoit only had it for one day. <laughs> Less than a day, actually. Um, but 
looks like I see Goldberg and Benoit. Here I got, here I got. Looks like we're at a what a standstill with this one too. Quick, 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 quick. What we got? Do I break this tie too? Let me see. One, two, three. One, two. Right. Yeah, forgot that's what the vote was about. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. All right, so Goldberg wins that one. All right, so the so the finals is Bill Goldberg versus Ricky Steamboat. We will find out who will be the winner next week. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a pleasure as always. Follow at Chris Prolific. Follow at Crave Wrestling. It's been so fun. Uh, thank you all for having such a fun show tonight. Again, special kudos to Ricky Steamboat uh, for being uh, on the show the past couple of weeks for part one and two. Until next week, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this uh, episode 372 in the books. Until next week, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy your week of wrestling. God bless. And always remember, I'll do it for you. Have a good night, everybody. Bye-bye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.